Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. To our fathers, I want all the fathers to stand. Come on, get up. Let's give them a big hand. All right. All right. You may be seated. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Steve here on the staff of this wonderful church, this wonderful place I call home. Excited to be with you here today on this great Father's Day. And uh, today we're going to share uh, attributes of our Heavenly Father and just kind of look into seeing God as Father. And uh, I'm a father of three uh, and a grandfather of seven. Uh, and so uh, I thank God for fatherhood. It's the, it's the toughest job you'll ever love, uh, being, being a dad. And so we're going to look at our Heavenly Father today and uh, just glean from the, the truth of seeing him that way. Even though God is our Heavenly Father, uh, many times we don't relate to him in that way. We don't relate to him as Father. We still see him as, you know, God like that. And he is God, but he's your Father, you know. It kind of puts me in mind of years ago when I was uh, working more, traveling and running meetings and that type of thing. My kids would be with me, right? And so, you know, in, the, in that in culture and environment, like you're the guy, right? Like he's the guy. Like he's the headliner. I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. You know, and so your kids are just watching you, and I'm praying for people and laying hands on people, and, you know, people are doing what they do when you lay hands on them. You know, some of them are just like the frozen chosen. Some of them are falling to the floor, whatever. I wasn't pushing nobody. Don't be looking at me all, I'm just saying people respond the way they do, you know. And so I think about how my kids see that. Like, they may, saw, they may have seen me like the evangelist, Stephen Randall Fur from Toledo, Ohio, Haley, and all that. But you know what they see? Daddy. They don't see all that. You know, when I walk around the house, I'm not pastor for, I'm daddy. I'm pop pop, right? And so the reality is, we're going to see in the scriptures today how Christ revealed the Father, revealed God, Yahweh, the mighty God as Father, uh, which gives us an insight into the relationship that he invites everyone into. So, so, so what is a father? The term is a lot deeper than we use these days. What is a father? Of course, we know from a biological sense, your father is the person where you, you, that you owe your genetic beginning to, right? Uh, the, the man holds the seed, right? And, and, and then uh, you, you, you were formed in the womb of your mother, but your origin is your father, right? And so a father, the other word that goes along with father is founder, founder or foundation, right? In God's original design, he designed the family for the father to play a specific role, in that, that, that design, and you're the foundation. Now, normally when I'm talking to men only, you know, you know, men like you when you beat them up a little bit. It, you know, when you beat them up, you build them up, kind of thing. You know, men are just that way. Like, like it's only men. You know, and not anymore. But you know, we get in the ring and we fight each other and we beat each other to almost a bloody pulp. 
And we get at the end and we cry on each other's shoulders and say, thanks, man. Yeah, we're not the smartest of the species, but that's how we, it's a man thing. It's just a man thing, right? And, and so, but normally when I talk about, to, to, to men's groups, I talk about what it means to be a stable foundation, right? So if you go through your house right now and you start, slam, if someone starts slamming doors, like, like just slamming every door, like the, the door to the bathroom, the door to the rooms, slam the cabinets as hard as they want to, right? It's, not, it's loud. It's noisy. It's irritating. No damage to the house, though, right? It's just disruptive. However, if I go to the foundation of that house and I start shaking the foundation of that house, okay, Houston, we got a problem. So it, it, what God w wants the father to be is the founder or the foundation of the house to lay that steady foundation. Foundations are not particularly pretty. They're just foundations. They don't, nobody goes, ooh, I love this house. Look at that fancy foundation. You know, so, so you know, we, we talk about how fathers, you know, get ties and stuff, and, you know, people fall out. They come to, to church on Mother's Day. Look around. They don't come to church on Father's Day. <laughs> it's good, though. It's, I, I'm good with that. It's just the way it is. I'm good, I'm good with that. Because you're found, your foundation, right? And, and so uh, the most important thing for a father is to be stable. So watch this. The father's responsibility, the father has a responsibility to provide a firm foundation upon which the lives of those he's in covenant with will find strength and stability. In God's design, the father has the responsibility with the mother to raise the children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The father produces, provides, and protects his family. The greatest function of a father, watch this, is to be and remain present. Be and remain present. Never, I never leave, I have three sons, I never leave my sons, right? Never. Now, when, when my oldest boy was born, I was 33 years older than him. He just got here, I'm 33, right. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be 60. Guess what? I am still 33 years older than my oldest son. Therefore, I am still his foundation. The foundation can't run out on the child just because he's 33. Y'all with me? All right. Say amen. Some say something. Okay, I'm going to say amen, preacher. You can talk back to me. I won't get upset. I won't say you're disruptive. I won't say that at all. All right. So, so watch this. We don't create God. I wrote this. I just wrote this in my notes. We don't create God. He created us. We don't create God. He created us. When we create God, a God, we're making an idol. So as we go through these things, I want you to keep in mind, Father God is who he is. You know, he is who he is. And he's not going to be changing because, you know, you feel some kind of way about it. He is who he is. All right? And so we have to learn him as father. So first look at this. God as father. God as father. We take that concept for granted today. You know, when we pray our father which art in heaven, it's important to understand that in the scripture, as we read the history, they did not see God as father. This is something that Christ brought in his ministry. The Bible tells us in John 1 and 18, no one has seen God at any time. Uh, only the begotten son who's in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. The word declared there means brought to light. So Jesus brings to light the concept and the reality 
of God as Father, not just God, but God as Father. And so the whole plan of salvation is rolled out to us in relational terms that God, Father, so loved the world that he gave his Son. So this whole concept of seeing God as Father, Christ as Son, and therefore if we're born of God, we become what? Children of God. We become part of the family of God. So, you know, God is not Father just in a generic, broad sense, but in the context of the Scripture, we are not, uh, I should say, we are born of God. You know, we don't just go to church. In fact, there's this thing as going to church. We should stop saying that. You don't go to church. You go worship. You don't go to church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. You don't go to, go to, you don't go to church. You are the church. Right? So in the economy of the kingdom, when we're born, we are born into the kingdom, and we are born children of God. Watch this. John, St. John 1 and 12 uh, but as many as received them, to, give, to them he gave the power or the right to become, to become. See, if you already were, you wouldn't have to become. To become. Well, how did they become? They received him. To him that received them, he gave them the right to become the children of God. To those who believed on his name, watch this, verse 13, who were born. What? Born. Born, not of blood nor the will of the flesh, but of the will of God. So children of God. As children of God, we are born of his spirit, right? So you are the offspring of God. If you've believed on Jesus Christ, he's coming to your life. You, you are not just a churchgoer. You're not a, uh, you're not a pew warmer. You're not, a, you're not somebody who used to do this, and now you're trying to do that better. No, you're born. Everybody say, I've been born. That's why he told Nicodemus, you must be what? Born. Born again. So, you, so, so believers are the offspring of God. You've got spirit. You've got God's breath in you. Well, that shouldn't shock you. Listen, when God made man, you know, God is dramatic. We're going to show you that and say, but God is dramatic. He don't do stuff on a small scale. He do stuff on a big scale. So everything else he created, he just spoke it. Light be. Pow. Firmament in the midst of the firmament. Pow. But when it came to man, he, he, he got dramatic. He formed man out of the dust of the earth. He made a claymation. And then, dramatically, this, to me it's dramatic, to you maybe not, but it's dramatic. And he, he breathed into the claymation, and man became a living soul. The clay turned into bones and heart and lungs and brain and, oh my God. So what is man by original creation and design? He's clay with God breath in it. That's what you are. And when you're born again, that breath of God becomes your very breath and you share the very life of God. That's what it means to be a child of God. doesn't mean I go to the building and I do religious things and so people are like me. So watch this. So the first thing about our father in 1 John, our text, 1 John 3 and 1, behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. What I love about this, <laughs> he owns you. Like, you, that's my boy right there. Now, don't, don't raise your hand. We kind of went through that in our last sermon. Don't raise your hand on some of the things I tell you because, you know, people know your business. But be honest. Some of us have been a little bit rebellious sometimes. Like, <laughs> if you ever, never that little game. Some of us walked away from God, done some real crazy stuff. 
Some of us done some stuff we dare not tell anybody. In my church, we have testimony service. We tell some people some things you don't need to testify about. You just need to get that between you and the Lord. <laughs> we don't need to know. Bless you, son. Bless you. Right? But even in the midst of all of those things, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called his children with your knucklehead self. That's still my boy. That's still my girl. Blow it a hundred times. Yep. Yep. We, we nicknamed him Blow It. We nicknamed him Oops, my bad. But you're still mine. There, watch this. Therefore, the world does not know us because it know, doesn't know him. What this is teaching you is because you are born of God, a child of God, even if you're born, the world won't know you because you, the Father has given you his identity as well as his value system. My, father, my, my father's value system was work ethic. Now, this is funny in my family and my grandsons to tell you this. There's certain things you cannot do without, around my father without getting the look. And if you get crazy, he'll give you the grab. <laughs> Number one, take care of your family. Like that was my, my daddy went on to be with the Lord in 2014. Boy, take my, 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 one of my sons, both my sons have, you know, at least three children. And my, my, my father told one of my sons, you take care of them kids, boy. I saw it. I witnessed it. I felt the earth move on that one. He ain't playing. Because, see, he's going to take care. You take, in other words, you own your children. These are yours. Ain't nobody else's job either. Don't, boy. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't care how big we thought we was. When daddy spoke, everybody just, just shut the heck up. So he gave us that. He gave us work ethic. Work ethic. If you, if, listen, if you want it, work for it. If you don't work for it, you ain't supposed to have it. Cosign, no. Cosign to nothing for you. I've worked all hard to get my credit together and have you blood. No. They take it, catch the bus, ride a bike. Work. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. But that value system, some people don't know. They don't, they don't have that value system. So with Christ, with the, with the Heavenly Father, he gives you his values so the world doesn't know you when you operate in the values of your father. Our father demonstrates. He has demonstrative love. His love is up close and personal. In Romans 5 and 8, it says, says but God demonstrates his own love, his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he, doesn't, he loves you in a demonstrative way. Now, the love of your heavenly father is not like, you know, honey buns and pecan rolls. You know, the, the heavenly father is not the sweet syrupy, oh, I just love you so much, you so much. <laughs> no. Heavenly father loves by what he provides because, remember, provide, protect, presence, those things. Now, does he love you that way? But his love is always in action and in motion. It's always doing something. He demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Wow, what kind of love is this? This makes the love of our Father a redemptive love. It's a restoring love. He gets it because he made you. He gets it. Watch this. 
the love of the Father. We find this in Ephesians 2, starting at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Watch this. God's love is provisional. Now, provision is a cool word. It actually means to see ahead of time. To get, that was clever. Give it up for clever. Clever. So the father can see what saw what we needed ahead of time and provided it so when you got there, it would be there when you get there. So he knows that man needs a savior. So he sent his son to provide salvation before you realized or wanted to hear about it. So when you got there, it would already be there. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Some of us got this image of God like he's a mad parent. Anybody ever had, don't raise your hand because your mom and daddy might be sitting in here. You're going to break their, you're going to hurt their feelings. You ever had a parent that's like always mad? They even, you, you even see, you've been in a store and you'd be, you be afraid for the kid. Boy, put the honey bun down. Put it down. Put, put it down. Put it down. Boy, please put the honey bun down. Your mama going to kill you. You know, we think God, we think God, you know, she probably stressed. He probably stressed. That's why I don't get where that come from. But we think God is like this mad dude sitting up waiting to zap you for everything you do. I saw, okay, okay. We're, we're Kathy Randall there. He says, so, so God, like, Kathy, child, you got one more time. I'm going to slap the taste right out your mouth. You got one more time. I'm going to knock in the middle of next Thursday. I am not playing with you. I brought you in this world. I brought you in this world. I brought you in this world. I'll take you out and make another just like you. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Look at me. Eyes on me. What? And we get this image of God. Like he about to, like he about to karate kick you into next Thursday or something. Well, God is not interested in karate kicking you. Listen, I always say this. I come from a legalistic background. In a legalistic church, everything you do, you're going to die and go to hell. You got gasoline draws on. You're going to catch on fire. That's just the way. That's just, you know. If you didn't grow up in that church, God bless you. I'm happy you're free. I grew up in that. The reason why God doesn't do that, because he knows what sin will do to us is destructive enough without a father Heavenly Father overreacting to something he already provided a solution for. So, he, so you acknowledge it. You confess it, right? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. He needs you to confess it so you can own it. That's taking responsibility. And then he points you to the provision. By the way, there's a different way to do that. You don't got to slap the taste out of nobody's mouth. There's a different way to do that. So the Father provides what? Instruction, correction, direction. So he's a provider, it goes on to say, by grace you've been saved through faith. I didn't put this into the scripture, but if you read the rest of that, it says, for by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Verse 10 says, we're his workmanship. There's that father part. We're the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus under good works, and he's uh, ordained ahead of time that you walk in him. You are the result of God's divine creativity. When he made you, he didn't make anything like you. Any place else. You are his unique creation. 
That's what he does. And not only that, he designed you unto good works. He designed you to be productive. He designed you to, to produce. Because every time you produce something through what your father has done in you, it gives him glory. So your father is excited when you do well. That's why Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. My father is the husbandman. He's the one that walks around the entire situation and makes sure you're fruitful in life, makes sure you're productive. Well, how does he do that? He cuts stuff off that ain't supposed to be there. Let the church say, ouch. But you didn't need it. That's why he cut it off. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Y'all got scared. Okay, let's move to the next one. The father sees that we need salvation and provided it through his son. Right? So, as born children, we are part of the family of God. We are safe and secure in the love of our Father. The scripture teaches us, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, who loves us. For, for Paul said, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What I love about this part is that God can hold you when you can't hold God. Yeah, sometimes you ain't thinking about God. Don't raise your hand. But when we do what we do, that thing we do, what makes you feel like doing stuff like that? Dance with me, guys. There's a time we're not thinking about God. Not a problem. He's thinking about you. There's a time when you can't hold God. You don't want to hold God, but God's still holding you. Because, see, you're here because of him. See, you, you see, you missed it. I made a curve there, and you blew it. You thought, you thought, that you were a child of God because of what you did. You're not. You're a child of God because of what he did. Because nobody can come to the Father. Come to me, Jesus, unless the Father draw him. You got to Jesus because of the hand of the Father. So what he's doing, he holding you. When you can't hold him, and guess what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Height, depth, death, life. Angels, principalities, powers, nothing present, nothing coming can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. Our Father does know best. That's why he gave his son Jesus, because he knows what we need. The scripture teaches, for God so loved the world. He didn't just love us, he so loved us. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever. See, it's not choosy. He loves the world that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, this term, everlasting life, by the way, one of the most, mis most misunderstood concepts in the Christian world. Because John, who wrote it, gives us a definition of what everlasting or eternal life is. In the Greek language, the terms are pretty much identical one place they interpreted everlasting. In other places, in John 17 and 3, which I didn't put in my, my text here because I'm flowing, right? Um, it's eternal life. And this is how he described This is what Jesus says. 